Yinkadiz. Peace, this is Outlaw. Hey, listen to the 80s Babies podcast. We're back with another quarterly episode. This time is for the fall. We've got September, October, and November of the years 1988, 1993, 1998, and of course, some new stuff, 2018. So we're going to start in the year 1988. We got released September 13th, Easy Does It from Easy E. And this is not his debut album, sort of. It's his. It's not his debut project. It's his right. debut album. I want to say that before Straight Out of like Compton, an EP. yeah, it had a yeah, and that was with a whole. It's like Easy E and Friends or something um, like that. I forget who it was, okay. but that's the one that had um, Boys in the Hood. That's the it one had that the had original Boys, Boys yes. in the Hood, and then this one had the remix on. Yes, it. yes, yeah. both versions which are good. Right. Um, I absolutely love that song. I love the scene in Straight Out of Compton where that right. comes together, where <laughs> Easy E, however many bars there are in the song, right. that's how many takes they needed to do it <laughs> because because uh, Dre had to record each and every line separately. You all seen the movie? So you, it's you funny if you about, if you but. listen to him rap like even on this now, yeah. you can hear it. Like oh, you for sure. you can hear that like he's not really a writer. And right. now, like he's rapping words that are not necessarily like his words. <laughs> he's but, not uh, even a rapper either, not at this point. Yeah. But kudos to Ice Cube and Dr. Dre for recognizing that look, this dude is not a poet. He's not mm-hmm. an MC, but he does have charisma. He does have a presence. His voice is, is very unique. Sure. Absolutely. And, and all the shit we want to rap about, he yeah. actually lives in. <laughs> And neither of us do. That's the best thing about it. That's the best thing about it. Ice Cube writes a song that he doesn't live. Right. He, he can see it in his head, but he's not living that life. So he's like, well, easy. This is your life. Right. You spit it. So right. I love that. But either way, I just I think it's interesting that this album was recorded before Straight Outta Compton, but they decided to release it afterwards. Right. And it's pretty much right like back to back. I want to mm-hmm. say that Straight Outta Compton is uh, August 28th, and this okay. is just a few weeks later. So, right. anyway, we don't have to get too much into it. This is 1988. I didn't listen to this probably until like two or three years ago. So, mm-hmm. it is what it is. Yeah. But uh, we can move right along. Release the same date, September 13th. We've got Light as a Rock from MC Light. I would say for me, this is like the blueprint for like female hip hop albums. Okay. I, I'm, I'm throwing air quotes because some people don't like the designation of female hip hop artists mm-hmm. as opposed to hip hop artists it just in general i think that you can kind of do both things um yeah. and i think that um man like this album is amazing to me this artist is in my you know top 5 female mcs okay i put her right up there i mean i really really love lauren like right. even though lauren had a very short sure. t- time frame um she's my favorite MC, sure. but MC Light is like right, like one B for me. So, okay. and and this album is like the the defining MC Light album. Really, because yeah. I've actually never heard this one. I'm very familiar with it. Yeah, because uh, I, I, I mean, know the, I know the hits, but I've never actually sat through and listened to this whole thing. But like you know, your goddamn hoe. Here we go again. Yeah, you true. get that from here. You get the 10% disjoint. The fact that she um she bodied uh, MC Antoinette on this joint so okay. it's like in my opinion that's one of the greatest diss joints of all time like I probably put it in my at least top 25 like okay. like disses it's got paper thin mm-hmm. on it it's got the uh, I Cram to Understand You joint which is really interesting just because I mean we're gonna talk about the great adventures of Slick Rick later but like 
the storytelling of like her she meets this guy you know he seems great you know and etc and she's kind of smitten by him or whatever and then over time she learns more and more about him until the end of the the uh the story so I, i'm sure for the folks that are familiar with that record that's a really dope like relationship record from the perspective of a woman but i just really love this album so i gotta challenge you on one thing uh, you called her you put her in your top five mcs for women mm-hmm. did she write her lyrics though I think she did. She did, I, okay. but I mean, I've yeah, heard that she a, did not. And none of them. I've heard that she have had ghostwriters. Now, um, if that is not the case, then yeah. I apologize to any MC Light supporter. Okay. That's just what I heard that she didn't write her lyrics. So I had heard before a rumor that her brothers, who are in audio, who are audio too, right, helped her write some of her early lyrics. Oh, okay. It was never substantiated. It was just kind of something that I heard floated, but I've never, I've never read it anywhere or anything okay. like that. So I don't, I don't know. All right. Well, if um, she's, if she's written her lyrics and like I said I don't want to accuse her of not doing so but yeah. if she did sure put her in that Yo, I, I got no shit, problem man. with that I love light so we're gonna move on to September 20th Rob Bass It Takes Two and I don't know about this album I just know about the hit that yeah. hit is still goes on in the club right, right. now I want to rock right now. I'm Rob Bass and I came to get down. Yeah. I'm not internationally known, but I'm known to rock the microphone. Man, I could actually probably spit the whole first verse. I'm not going to. Likewise. But, uh, it's definitely yeah. a really dope record that still gets the, the party going. Um, it's actually the first vinyl I ever owned. Really? And I okay. think I got that's it. That's a good one to own. I, I think like I that. got it in the 80s. That's, like it, that's dope. Like It's like my parents had a record player and I loved that song so much that like they like bought it for me like i have it on vinyl but at home somewhere with my, my parents you know i have to say I, <laughs> I i like that a lot that is a very that's probably a for your first vinyl yeah. that's probably a vinyl that you could be proud of right yeah. because i remember my first cassette tape my mm-hmm. first cassette tape was the single for fame by david bowie <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, i remember it was this blue the sky blue tape that my parents got me i used I to love that joint because it was my first cassette right, right. and i want to say my first cd was either Coolio, it takes a thief, or <laughs> the Beavis and Butthead CD. <laughs> oh man, yes. that's horrible. I know it was bad. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the fact that Rob Bass, it takes two, is your first vinyl. Uh, yeah. that's, that's that's dope. I I'm like trying that. to remember what the other side of the record was. So it was like know. it was this takes two, but it was another record that he had at the. Oh, Joy and Pain. Joy. That was and our bass. Pain. It was uh, they had their own version. Oh, okay, of it. yeah, okay, okay. and so that that was the B side, and I remember I used to flip that joint, and I that record was actually popular on the radio as well at the time. Okay, all right, well, uh, yeah. it's it's fitting that uh, we had struggled to know what was on the side B because I can't <laughs> tell you any other songs on the side. I don't even I I've never even looked at. It. I can just you know. can you tell me any other songs by Rob Bass? <laughs> uh, no, but you know what? I don't need to yeah, because yeah. we all his name is in the track. It's in the first yeah. bar, and that's all you need to know. Yeah, I so, would say uh, he looks a lot like Stephen A. Smith and I think that's the main reason people <laughs> still remember him but that record was crazy yeah anyway. video was dope too so yeah. uh, there's nothing much in October so we're gonna just get right to November and this is a big one uh, this is one that could probably we could probably do an entire episode on it we Definitely. won't we're just gonna do it for this fall recap here but uh-huh. we got the great adventures of Slick Rick from uh-huh. Slick Rick his debut released November 1st 1988 yeah I think for storytelling this is the blueprint for that like when we talk about storytelling yeah. MCs like you know the reason Slick Rick's name is mentioned still mm-hmm. is because of this album yeah so. I mean you've got uh, you got Children's Story you've got Mona Lisa um, even like Treated Like a Prostitute which mm-hmm. I've railed against um, you know <laughs> as, as a sentiment but 
But I mean, you know, a story uh, about relationships, etc. So I mean, I, the joint is like front to back stories. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Young girls not a story though, right? Hey, young I guess not. Yeah. yeah. No, this is this is definitely a good one. Would you put Slick Rick in your top five storytellers? Because I'm not sure if I would. And I got in trouble for saying that. Yeah, I, I probably still would, but I'd put him towards the bottom. Like, he'd be five. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I don't put him on, like, Biggie or Cool G Raps level yeah. as a storyteller. Um, yeah. Or even Ghost. Ghost or Nas or Andre. I, I, there's a whole bunch that you could. Okay, so you might be number six then. Yeah, Everybody I, we've I, mentioned, he's he's better than or I, are better than him. I understand if someone is firm, like no, Slick Rick is not only he's top five, he's greatest storyteller of all time. I'm not really going to debate them too much because. In terms of storytelling MCs, he is the originator. Right. I mean, I'm not saying that other MCs didn't tell stories. You know, technically, on uh, Rappers Alike, right, there's that was a story. story. But, exactly. you know, he, in terms of, like, storytelling MCs, he is the originator. Mm -hmm. So for that, he obviously does get some props. Right. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Slick Rick. But anyway, this is obviously a dope album. Yeah, um, he is classic. One of, he is one of the greats. Yeah. Do you have anything else for uh, to talk about for the Slick Rick? Nope. So I guess that should actually wrap it up for 1988. We're going to move right along to 1993. Yeah. Released September 28th from KRS-One, we have Return of the Boom Bap. And I'm not sure if this is the first record he put out as KRS-One. Before this, he, he was putting out a lot of music as BDP. Mm. This is either the first or the second one, but this is a big album for me. I remember I got into one. this in like after my sophomore year in high school. This was back when I started to go back and listen to all of like the original like 80s greats. Right. So I was listening to Cool G Rap, Big Daddy Kane, Rakim, and of course KRS-One. And this album really stuck with me. Half of the records on here are produced by DJ Premier. Mm -hmm. uh, I think some people even cite this album as a KRS-One DJ Premier collab. Oh, okay. It'd be kind of hard to say that. I'm not, I don't remember if DJ Premier was the executive producer. Probably KRS-One was the executive producer, but it's definitely got some joints on here. I mean, you got Black Coppers on here. You I got just Sound, of, sound the of the Police on here. Yeah. That's a really, really it's big one. Um, you can still put that on at the party and people will still, you can't play the whole song, <laughs> but you can still put that, you know, whoop, whoop, that's yeah. the Sound of the Police and people get into it. But um, you've got like, let me take you to a higher level on here. There's a lot of good premiere beats on here. And uh, yeah, if you're a fan of that boom bap sound, if you're a fan of the, you know, the underground, hardcore, real hip hop mm -hmm. son, you know, you definitely got to check out this Camera's One Return of the Boom Bap album. So it brings back a lot of good memories for me. Do you have anything to add or have you even nah. really peeped this album? If I have, it's been it's been a long time. I just looked at the, the track list real quick and I, of course, Sound of the Police is, is, is huge. Yeah. Um, it was even remixed by some French artists and became a big big record in French rap so okay. um, that's that's a, a big one but not off the top of my head now okay so we're gonna move along to October 12th from Salt and Pepper we have Very Necessary and this is not an album that I've listened to but this is an album that I'm familiar with the hits in mm. fact this was probably my first introduction to Salt and Pepper this is um, the one that has Shoop and, and this all has Shoop it what has, a man what a man yeah. it has none of your business and like I said, this was probably just my first introduction to Salt and Pepper. I wasn't too familiar with Push It. Mm -hmm. um, I think I'd heard about like Let's Talk About Sex and whatnot, but I wasn't like cognizant of who Salt and Pepper was. Mm -hmm. But uh, I just remember that video and Pepper would be the darker one. She was kind of thicker. I probably had a crush on her back in the day. <laughs> um, not now, but back in the day, I probably did. So, yeah. but anyway, um, Salt and Pepper was, is another. If we're talking about you know female MCs, they're obviously one of the pivotal groups there. So. 
Yeah, um, my mother loved this album. Uh, my mom was a big Salt and Pepper fan when was I was she? a kid. So, yeah, she. It's weird too because she didn't like a whole lot of rap, but she really liked Salt and Pepper. Um, so she had she had this on tape. Um, I remember, you know, the singles a little bit. I remember, actually, I remember her going to see them in concert. And I remember her talking about how they, at the time, they had a commercial on, on uh, television that was like, yo, Salt and Pepper's going on tour. Our show's not for your kids. Like, don't bring your kids type deal. She was like, yeah, I ain't bringing my kids. But, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's really all I remember about that joint. Okay. All right. Well, either way, we got to shout it out. So next in October, this is a big one. We've got the debut album from Black Moon, Enter the Stage. And I have to admit, this is not an album that I listened to until recently. But when I did, wow, this is really, really good. Even now, it's good. Yo, the Beat Miners. Oh, my God. I love the Beat Miners. I've I've been a fan of the Beat Miners, but I didn't really get too familiar with who they were until like the early 2000s. But yeah, learning that the Beat Miners were the ones who were responsible for these beats. Good Lord. Man, when I saw this on the list, this is the one I got excited about. I I love this album. Um, I have a lot of internal struggles and conflicts with the homies from from my, my crew over this album because... They're big Smith and Wesson fans okay. uh, who, you know, came later in this the, this vein, the boot camp click. But um, they don't like Buckshot as an MC, which I can, which I can understand. That. I can understand that too. However, the production on this album is so amazing that this is still an amazing album. It's a classic yeah. album. So for them, like I, I feel like into the stage from a production perspective and just composition perspective is the the quintessential boot camp click album like this okay. is the one for them they feel like it's smith and wesson and they don't like listening to to buckshot rap so you know we go back and forth about this all the time because i'm like the production makes into the stage a better album yeah and they're like no way smith and wesson which the smith and wesson album is amazing too uh but yeah i love this album so the thing for me about buckshot is that i i found that when i was listening to this album I wasn't really paying attention to what he had to say. Right. Um, every once in a while, I catch a bar here and there. I think he's fine as an MC, but he's kind of—he didn't do anything to push the envelope or move the needle or anything. To me, right? he's like he's like a street version of Q-Tip on the mic. Like, like you know yeah. what I mean? It's like I can listen to to Tribe albums and think they're amazing. Yeah. But I'm not like, oh, Q-Tip really wowed me with his bars. Right. I mean, I would say the same about Buckshot. Is he's he's a serviceable MC. Yeah, he's serviceable. Um, right. and the production on here is amazing. Right, the production on here is amazing. For this time period, there were a lot of hip hop beats that had that kind of like bass heavy. The filtered bass. Yeah, and yeah. this album executes it perfectly. Oh, yeah. um, and and it mixes the the snares and the kicks very, very well. It's equalized with the MC, so you can hear the bass line very distinctly and it doesn't muddle the voice mm-hmm. and vice versa and everything like that. One thing I had to say is that you know, I can understand why I never really found out about this album or why I, I never really checked for this album until recently mm-hmm. because in 1993 I mean it's overshadowed <laughs> by several different things I mean you've got oh, Wu-Tang Clan <clears throat> Enter the 36 Chambers which comes out which we're going to talk about you also have uh, the Tri Call Quest Midnight Marauders which right, we just right. did the episode on and it's got the Snoop Dogg Doggy Style which we just did the episode on and so I think that there's a lot of pivotal pieces of music uh, hip hop music that come around around this time where you know 
people only got but so much time to listen to all these different things <laughs> and so i think that this one you know the, the real hip-hop heads are familiar with it um i was familiar with it but i didn't really listen to it until recently mm. but yeah i think that the mainstream audience there were so many other things that caught their attention and i think that because you know buckshot is not really an mc that really captures your attention it's not something that's just you know it's it's not going to get the high praise of some other albums if you like hip-hop and you haven't heard into the stage please just yeah, do go so. ahead, press pause and, yeah. and listen to Enter the Stage. For real, to, do to so. I was very pleased when I went back to listen to it. Um, yeah. I thought it was great. So we mentioned Wu-Tang Clan, and we're going to move right along to November. Released November 9th, 1993, we had the debut album from Wu-Tang Clan, Wu-Tang Enter the 36 Chambers. And full disclosure, this is an, an album that we totally could and would have done a tribute episode for. However... We did all these other tribute episodes. <laughs> Wu-Tang related joints. Right. And we also did, the, our very first tribute episode was for Wu-Tang Forever. So we said, right. hey, look, we already did one for Wu-Tang Forever. You know, and, and I was the one who actually made this call. So you guys know me, I talk Wu-Tang Clan all the, all the time. But I looked at the, the, the schedule and I was like, you know what? Let's just not do it. We'll talk about it on the fall quarterly report. And that's what we're going to do now. So, yeah, we got the debut album, but not the debut album from all the, of. The yes. Wu, right. Yeah. This is because this is there's the, been two solos prior to it. Yeah. Words uh, RZA, RZA had. Uh, we Rakeem, love you, Prince Rocky. Yes. Which is the EP. And then Jizza had the Words, words from the Genius. genius yeah. Right. This is probably the most pivotal piece of music for my musical understanding in the sense that I think that before this album, before I heard this album, I just kind of liked what was whatever was on the radio. This is the one that really transformed me into just really, really loving music and wanting to get into the, the, the intricacies. Like if, if I had to go back and pinpoint one album that is responsible for my entire musical education, this is definitely the most important one. It's not my favorite. It's probably not even my top five Wu-Tang albums. There's a, a handful of other Wu-Tang projects that I like more than this one. But this is the one, the first one that really grabbed my attention because it was so, it's so weird, so out there, but so awesome at the same when time. When did you like, hear the album? So I heard this, I heard this in 1997, fall 1997. Okay. Was, the, was the first time I heard this. Okay. Um, and you know, I, I've said that numerous times on the show. No, I just, so. I was asking because of, you know, what time frame yeah. of when, I guess, when your musical palette was developed, because mine, mine definitely wasn't developed in 93, so. Anything you want to discuss on this album? I mean, what what is there to say, right? This is <laughs> this album is, is 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 so important, so pivotal. Deck verses yeah. on here, yeah. even you God's one verse that he's got up an entire career. He's uh, got uh, one verse and another verse is like four bars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I mean, yeah, it's just an amazing album, uh, an introduction to the Wu Tang Clan. Like you said, not one of my favorite Wu Tang Clan projects. I would say it's it's got to be in my top five, probably. But you know, definitely not my favorite. Um, no. I, I actually prefer uh, Wu Tang Forever. Yeah, well. no, I mean, look, yeah. uh, Wu Tang Forever, Cuban Links, Iron Man, Supreme Clientele. Supreme, definitely. I, I don't know if I put Iron Man above it. Well, for me, Iron Man yeah. for sure, Supreme Clientele, and Liquid Swords, I think, are all better than this. What album. about Good Black Women Sleepover at Capus? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is better than the Pillars. I'd say this is also better than uh, ODB's Return of Thirty Six Chambers, the Dirty right. Version. Uh, it's definitely better than Takao. Although I yep. like, I like things about all those albums. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I like all those albums. But yeah, this one is this one is definitely very pivotal. And 
You know, it's, it's, it's interesting that, you know, we would sit here and we would say that we like Wu-Tang Forevermore because this is definitely the more iconic album. And definitely. I think that this is the one that gets more of the accolades. Mm-hmm. Around this time when it came out, there were a bunch of like Wu-Tang Clan tributes, you know, they yeah. were doing interviews. I want to say that they had the interview with uh, Nori on, on Drink Champs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were talking about their roles there. So, yeah, it was, it was really, really cool. I think that... Um, on that interview, they were discussing how the clan came together mm-hmm. and how and initially that the Wu-Tang Clan was just supposed to be Jizza, RZA, and ODBS right. all, 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 together, together. all together now. Right. And then when they did Protect Your Neck, as a posse cut, they were like, yo, let's just throw the whole clan together. Yeah. So I like that. I also love that they really give a tribute to ODB saying they're like, look, you know, RZA was definitely the brains of the whole thing, but the, the heart and soul of the group was ODB. He was yeah. the one who was really responsible for knowing everybody and actually mm-hmm. bringing them all together. Mm-hmm. And if we were going to do a flashback to the Mike Fights episode when <laughs> when uh, Cyrus said that Ghostface Killer had the best entourage, he might have won had he said ODB had the best entourage because then you could have included everybody. <laughs> but anyway, so. Except um, uh, Master Killer, right? No, Master Killer was a part of it. He was, he was in the early group. Because they always, they always, when they tell the story about the, how everybody came together, they always say that like, Master Killer was like a student of Jizza, and so Jizza brought Master Killer in, but nobody else in the clan I knew him, that. and they still kind of don't know. So they, I think, they had some weird Taoist way that they describe him as like the one man with no origin in the group or something, because like nobody knows his past or like where he really comes from except Jizza. Uh, I could see that, and yeah. he's not even on Protect Your Neck. I think he's only got one verse, and that's on Mystery of Checks Boxing. Mm-hmm. The story um, that I know was that they had time for one more verse and it was going to be either Master Killer or Killer Priest and mm. so they put I didn't Master even Killer. know Killer Priest was around exactly. at that time Yo, well we'll get to that but yeah. uh, it was between Master Killer and Killer Priest and so they put Master Killer on there and that's what solidified him as a Wu general oh. but the other thing too is that you I think it's the um it's not clan in the front. Let your feet stomp. It's the one where at the beginning it's like up from the thirty-six chambers. It's the ghost face killer <laughs> Wu Tang, and so you, they shout out all these people. Kill, right. You know, sixty-second assassin. Yeah, uh, whatever. Killer piece is one of the people that they shout out there. Mm. So they definitely like yeah. a lot of those people that they name in that nineteen ninety-three interlude are people who had affiliation to Wu-Tang Clan and came out with other music later yeah. so uh, that, that clan really does roll thick and they were known to roll thick on the road too and a <laughs> lot of a lot of, of altercations that are, are now famous lore in, right. in hip hop uh, so you want to talk about Queen Latifah Black Rain I, I've not listened to this album but I think it's important to discuss Queen Latifah this Black Rain just because the song UNITY yeah. Unity is on there Good and that deal. was a really really big hit sure. um, also I actually had the sample on vinyl it's from right. uh, Jazz Crusaders I forget the name of the actual track mm-hmm. but the track that the samples is amazing too Jazz Crusaders if you guys ever get the chance to go listen to some jazz records definitely you gotta you gotta check them out but yeah uh, UNITY from Queen Latifah is definitely a dope record yeah um, um, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about it, unfortunately. <laughs> Important to the year. I, I think, you know, just to add on to that, I never was a big Queen Latifah fan like that uh, musically. But, um, you know, what she tried to do with, like, Flavor Unit and et cetera, mm-hmm. like, I mean, she definitely is is was super iconic in, in music um, as, a, as a hip-hop artist and right. contributed a lot prior to, you know, going to Hollywood and being huge in Hollywood. <laughs> now she's got a great Hollywood career. My mom loves Queen Latifah, yeah. the actress. Oh, loves yeah. Queen Latifah, the actress. <laughs> <laughs> 
Set It Off Queen Latifah or the not Set It Off Queen Beauty Latifah, Shop or whatever the, she's doing the now. Just Right, the uh, oh, the, the Last the, Holiday, or whatever. romantic uh, comedy yeah, joints. She loves that stuff. Queen Latifah. The Queen Latifah that actually gets paid. That Queen yeah. Latifah. <laughs> All right, so, yeah. so, so we'll move on to 1998. Yeah, so we can move on to 1998. And uh, right to start it off from September 1st, 1998, we got Fat Joe's Don Cartagena. Yeah. And this is a big one. Oh, man. Yeah, this is a really good album. I yeah. think this was around the time where Fat Joe kind of got the, um, the Scottie Pippen treatment mm-hmm. in, in that, like, Big Pun was just so good yeah. that everybody was just kind of like, oh, yeah, and there's this other guy that kind of brings him out, you know. But, um, <laughs> But Fat Joe rapped well on Don Carter, mm-hmm. and he also was an, an ambassador for a lot of talent. And there's yes, just so certainly. many great features on here. You got Bone on here. You got Nas, Raekwon. I mean, <laughs> that posse cut. Amazing. We talk and, about uh, John Blaze. Yeah, John Blaze. Um, there's some Terror Squad ones on there. Yeah. Um, I really, really liked this album. Yeah, no, it's, it's really good. I remember... I think it was Koi who let me borrow it for, for a couple weeks. Mm. And I just remember listening to it and enjoying it. But, you know, this is an album that I didn't enjoy as much then as I do now. Oh. This is one of the ones, like, because we've been revisiting all these albums from 93 and 98, uh, which is great, by the way. I, yeah. I, I really like that we're doing this. <laughs> but when I went back to listen to this one, I, I, I listened to it more thoroughly when we did the Big Pun episode. And I was like, wow, this yeah. is just really, really good. The production on there is, is great. Fat Joe is more than serviceable. I yeah. think he does a good job on yeah. it, which is important to say because, like you said, sometimes Fat Joe gets gets flack for for being the other guy. There were also rumors at the time that Big Pun was writing his material, and I, I don't know how true that is, but it might know. be true. Yeah, it might be true. It's um, not like his raps got way more amazing, and then when when Pun passed, they like dropped down. I mean, he's always kind of been you know right. just just a cool cool rapper. Yeah. So. One thing I, I remember when Fat Joe came out with his um, Jealous One, Still Envy. Uh, this was what, 2002, 2003? Okay. Yeah. Sometime around there. It had yeah, all of his hits on the radio. Like, oh, I think it was 04. But. Okay, sure. Yeah. That was the one where Fat Joe, I guess, break in, broke into the mainstream. Mm. Not just the hip hop mainstream, right. but like the pop music mainstream. Right, right. And I remember he did an interview and he was saying how this was going to be his greatest album ever. Um, it would be like his life after death or all eyes on me like this would be his you know his greatest ever project and you know i've never gone back to re-listen to that i don't plan to i actually in fairness i never listened to it at the time i'm not sure if i needed to because every fucking song was on the radio but it's not better than this don carter genius to me that's that's one of his worst albums yeah and this is his his best this is definitely his best album um he's got another album that's really good it came out around the time he was beefing with 50 like like maybe 06 time frame 05 06 okay it's really good too but uh but don carter man that's that's his best yeah i think don carter genius takes the cake his collaboration with puff daddy on here is a dope record too so, in fact, I think one of the things that I really like about it is that he kind of took the best things of what Pun did on the Capital Punishment album, but the the, the commercial aspects of that, mm. right? And then married it very well with the kind of like the bad boy puffy sound, mm. um, what he was doing with, uh, you know, the 
was a bad boy in the family. Yeah, Puff Daddy in the family. Puff Daddy That's in what the I family. was gonna say. This yeah. album's almost like a Fat Joe in the Family album. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, like so, a steward of other talent. Right. So I, I think he married all those things together very nicely. So yeah, right. definitely a dope album. Um, I guess we can move along to Razkaz Resassination. Released September twenty second, nineteen ninety eight, and I just had to, you know, full disclosure, I've not listened to this album. Okay, I'm sure Yink has got plenty. To I say. can wax poetic about this album. Yes, please do. I, I was listening to it earlier today, just you know, like let me refresh my memory to prep mm-hmm. for this, and I actually want to do a make it a classic on this album. Let's do it. Um, we'll, I think, we'll add that to the list. Yeah, I think this album is. Uh, this album is interesting, man. It's like, it's a very unfocused effort, mm-hmm. but the gems on this album are are amazing. Okay. Like, so you get you get a few tracks uh, that are just like some of my favorite Raskas tracks of his whole his whole career on this album. Records like uh, Get At Me, um, I really enjoy. Uh, Waterproof. Okay. So Waterproof was in one of the and one mixtapes. Oh, okay. I want to say it was like four or something, but whatever joint it was, yeah, it just like. When I saw that, it just connected. And I would always listen to that song when I would hoop. Mm-hmm. There's a, about a handful of records on here that are just like really, really good. And then there's some stuff that's just absolute crap on here. <laughs> like some of the production too, it's just like, like he has a record with Twista on there. Okay. And you know, it's Twista. So right. like in that time frame, like, you know, 98, like when I saw Twista's name in a track list, I'm gonna go skip to that song mm-hmm. to hear what Twista has to say. And the production was just so uninteresting and the concept was so bad of the song that I can't even listen to the Twista record. Uh, and, th- and that's how bad it is, you know, so. We all know that you're a, a hip hop nerd. Did right. you ever go back and read any interviews or see any interviews about the production of this album? Anything that Razkaz in particular had to say? Not really. Um, To be honest, there wasn't a lot of literature on it. This okay. was a time frame, like you said, I was collecting all the sort I was yeah. collecting a, a double XL, all that. The one thing I remember in terms of the lore around this, and when we do this ep- this episode, I'll go into more detail. But um, so Raskas has was kind of be- fast becoming like like the number two behind Corrupt, as like when you think about West Coast MCs that are lyrical, mm-hmm. it was like Corrupt. And then it was like Raskas and then maybe Exhibit. So okay. that's, that was kind of like what was going on. So when eventually when Raskas, Saphir, and Exhibit kind of had their little three, oh, I forget what name of their little group was. They called themselves like Golden State Warriors and, and they had three card Molly. They okay. did so they had like their own little subgroup that was supposed to be like lyrical MCs from California, right? So Raskas was like, Really kind of making a name for himself. Um, Exhibit was coming out with 40 Days and 40 Nights. He had his thing. Raskas and Dr. Dre teamed up. And at the time, that was supposed to be a really big deal. So there's a Dr. Yeah, Dre that was, on this that was album. When Dr. And Dre was kind of struggling. It is, but it was a big deal. At okay. least where, where I lived, it was a huge deal that he had a, a, a Dr. Dre beat. And Mac-10 was going to be on the song. And at the time, okay. Mac-10 was, was big. Yeah. He had a lot of hit records. And yeah, like the song was really underwhelming. And I remember, you know, him kind of talking a little bit in interviews around the time about how like, you know, the whole label was excited about him having this Dr. Dre record and they spent like a million dollars on a, v- a video or some shit like that. And the record just did not take off. Like it, it didn't do anything. And then like, it just took all the air out of the balloon. Like the label was like, we're not even gonna promote this shit anymore. Like it's not, it just didn't work. Um, and I think that's what happened from a promotion perspective to this album. But um, yeah, man, there's some good stuff on here. And I mean, this is Raskas in his prime. Like he, he really had some dope rhymes on that. So Okay. So we're going to move on to a very big date 
this is September 29th, 1998, and we already did several albums right. that were released on this date. So right. we already did Outkast, Equimini, Jay-Z Volume 2. We were going to do a tribute for this next one, mm -hmm. uh, and that is Most Deaf and To Live Quality, Our Black Star. Mm -hmm. Apologies to Carlos for not being able to get you on. We had some crazy scheduling difficulties <laughs> that entire you know, September and, uh, and October period. So, but we're going to yeah. discuss it now. And yeah, this is a big yeah. one. Huge one, man. Yeah, not, you know, 1998. This is definitely a big one for me. Koi is the one who put me on. Mm -hmm. And Koi tells me, I asked him about it. He said that this is the first album he bought just because he liked the cover. It is a dope mm -hmm. cover. For it sure. is a dope cover. Um, so, so he bought it and that he, he listened to it. He liked it. He put me on. I remember my first real experience with black star was probably the definition mm -hmm. the definition video yeah. which uh goes into redefinition mm -hmm. just as it does on the album mm -hmm. but uh i remember that was really dope you had them like in this van almost like yeah. this like pirate radio type of situation right, where they right. around uh and they're, they're they're doing their raps and then mm -hmm. like most def is is sipping a glass of of water while he's rapping and then comes back and it comes right back on the beat i just uh, i just remember that moment it was really dope but um yeah, I mean, the big record for me, and still mm. one of my favorite ever records, you know exactly what I'm going to talk about, is the mm. one featuring Common with uh, High Tech on the beat. Respiration. Respiration it's is an amazing song. Immaculate. Yeah. Absolutely immaculate. Even just like the intro, the, the, mm -hmm. the way, you know, the guy's talking about like, you know, how he's going to tag in the, tag in the car yeah. and like the, the atmosphere that they provide. And then, um, you know, the, the, I think it's a David Axelrod sample uh, for the little, um, it's, it's like the main samples of David Axelrod. High Tech comes in with his drums and his bass line and all the other instruments. It's amazing. It's just a really, really, <laughs> really good piece of music. I love yeah. this record. But yeah, the, the entire record is pretty much dope. I mean, yeah. you know, we were going back and we were prepping for all these episodes and I had this, you know, I played this like back to back to back a couple times. Yeah, for me, I mean, I, again, right, I'm, I'm probably still kind of firmly in the like West Coast and Bad Boy camp, which mm -hmm. is weird because West Coast and Bad Boy weren't really driving. <laughs> but, um, but so, you know, I remember hearing most stuff a lot on compilations. Yeah. Um, at the time he had that Universal Magnetic record yeah. and it was, I mean, it was everywhere and I didn't know why. Like yeah. for me, it was like this is like some like b boy record, you know yeah. what I mean? And like I wasn't really a b boy, so I was like, I was like, why do people think this Most Def guy's so good? Like I, I, I didn't get it right when, when I first was hearing Most Def. So I think I probably first heard of him in '97. I think I want to say that was when Universal Magnetic okay. started to make yeah, his runs. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, yeah. and he was then, also on. Um, was he on uh, Lyrics? That wasn't yet. Okay, that was later. Okay. Yeah, but was he on that though? I think yeah, he was on, on Lyrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I remember. <laughs> I feel like it was just one night, like late at night, and I, we had left the television on or something, and I like came to get a glass of water or something, and the music video for Definition was on, yeah. and I just remember like turning the volume up and just sitting there and just being like in awe, yeah. because I was like, is this reggae music or is this rap music? Right, like right, he, right, like right. it had that whole, like you said, it had that whole like Caribbean vibe. It's, it's definitely yeah. a Brooklyn. It's Brooklyn. It's, it's, Brooklyn yo, the Brooklyn hell. vibe is, right. is yeah, So it's there. like, you know, he's like saying, you know, one, two, three. Yeah. Like, so it had a, it had like a, almost like a dance holly type of vibe yeah. to it, but then it was a hip hop record and it was, the, the beat was it's, amazing. It's, it, you know what, to piggyback off of that, I've actually, at a party, I mixed that together with the um, 
the murder she wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it actually works very, very, very well. You you blend it together uh, and then you sync it, which is a little cheat I like to do. But then speed it up to the murder she wrote mm-hmm. and take out the bass to definition, mm-hmm. and then you've got basically most deaf rapping his verse over the murder she wrote. Um, yeah. But it, I say that to say that you're right. It definitely right. blends in well yeah. with that with that dance hallish vibe. So right. yeah, I and, definitely agree with you. And there. as somebody who at the time at this time frame was not very familiar with the dance hall music, mm-hmm. like I mean. I don't know if maybe it was a year later or this same year. Uh, no, maybe it was a year before Sim Simma by by uh, Beanie right. Man came out. It so there was like sign, yeah. there was a there was a couple records I I was familiar with that were really mainstream, but like yeah. I wasn't I wasn't well versed in dance hall at all. So when I first heard this record, I couldn't. I couldn't fit it on my spectrum. Like in my mind, it didn't fit in a reggae box or a hip hop box or a jazz box, or it just kind of was an amalgamation of a lot of things. Yeah. Like you said, they're kind of, you know, they're driving in the in the van and you know they're going down the street. And I just remember like just really, really liking the vibe of it. And that was my introduction to it. Um, and then, you know, again, I think the next record I heard was probably Respiration and thought that was amazing as well. Um, when I finally heard the whole album, though, there were some cuts in the middle that still didn't resonate with me because they still were very b-boyish to me. Okay, it's um, definitely a b-boy album, yeah. and I was actually doing my b-boy thing at the time, which yeah. is why I liked it. Yeah, but um, but yeah, amazing album. Um, there's uh, so I'm I'm a subscriber of Spotify, and Spotify tries to put together these playlists. Sometimes they crash and burn, but some of them are are, are pretty good. One of the good ones is called Jazz Rap. Okay. And like it just has like a bunch of you know records that are either sample or influenced by jazz music, and this album to me is like it fits right in that vein. Like no, there's sure. probably half this album is probably on that playlist. For sure, for uh, sure. But yeah, really, really dope album. Uh, a few other tracks that I want to highlight. Uh, one of the tracks I really liked back in the day. I, I don't like it as much now. Not the subject matter. I still love the subject matter. Brown Skin Lady is, yeah. is one of my joints. Um, I love the Gil Scott Heron beat. I just I think uh, mm. listening to Talib Kweli on that is just like a little over too over the top for mm-hmm. me. Sometimes <laughs> I, like he's just pandering a little too much, and I just get like annoyed because uh, I'm not I'm not the big Talib Kweli fan that I used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a lot of us who kind of feel that same way. Mm-hmm. But uh, he kind of annoys me on that track. But yeah. I love Yeah Yo. Or mm-hmm. yo yeah, whatever it is, when they they just got a beat and they're saying yo yeah, yo yo yeah, but they got these uh, spoken word poets in the background, mm-hmm. and I think they have three, and the yeah. one at the end is really really great when he's talking about. Three thirty in the morning, not a soul in sight. We sat four deep at a traffic light, talking about how dumb and brainwashed some of our brothers and sisters are. I just I really really like that poem and then the thieves in the night yeah, which fine. probably should have been the last track on here because mm-hmm. that's the that's the only real low light of the album is the last track on here track, really? track third I wasn't really feeling I'm, it I'm like the opposite but I think I, it's cause I <clears throat> I was really becoming a fan of like super underground rap shit okay. that's like the the record that just has like a bunch of people just trying to outdo each other with their bars. Yeah. Um, so I, I really like that joint. In case you don't know the name, no, yo, go buy the Jane though. <laughs> uh, yo, everybody on that joint got off. That's why I liked it. I got you. I got yeah. you. I, I didn't do it for me, but that's a fair, that's a fair perspective on it. Um, so we can move on to another one, September 29th. This is a foundation from Brand Nubian. Yeah. And 
this was a big one for me. I purchased this album. Wow. And, you know, sadly, I have to say that I had not had enough time to go back and really thoroughly examine it. Mm -hmm. But I did a quick, like, run through of the album this morning and was really impressed by it um, to the fact that it was like, I, I think I'm actually going to go back and spend a little bit of time to really be the production is really good yeah on this album yeah um but it's weird because like i mean i've also gone back and and, and listened to it some I, I this is an album that i almost bought and didn't buy okay but um i remember listening to it maybe kenny had it or so, i had it on tape or something but um in my opinion the lyrics don't live up to the production like the That's production is amazing and the raps are just like okay well, like they, you didn't like that much from grand Puba? I don't know that he's all over this. I think he's, I'm not sure he's on every track. Okay. And I think this is definitely not Grand Pooba in his prime, right? This no, is Grand Pooba, like, I might be in the group, but I might kind of might not be in the group. <laughs> Lord Jamar talks about it a lot, right? Yeah, he says, I'm, and I'm not a fan of, of his lyrically. So. Jamar? Yeah. Yeah, me neither. But he's, he talks about how, you know, Basically, Poobah was the star of yeah. the group, and there was a, obviously we know there was a time frame where Poobah was like mm -hmm. he was the guy, like he yeah. was that serious. He he did songs with Mary J. Blige, my nigga. You know right. what I'm saying? Like shit, he's up there. But uh, and uh, yeah, but like he was saying that they would be trying to put their songs together and their albums together, and Poobah would just not show up to sessions or show up four hours late to sessions or you know whatever, and so he wasn't really all the way in it. And you can I think you can hear that on this album. I'll have to go back and listen for that when I do listen to this. Mm. Um, because like I said, uh, you know, I listened to it back then and mm. I enjoyed it. But in my quick examination of it from this morning, given how mm. much I, I enjoy some of the, the little songs I hear, yeah. hear here and there, I think I'm going to go back and enjoy it. But Any um, album that opens with the DJ Premiere beat, yeah. you're, you're going in the right direction. Right, so, I no, mean, yeah, there's definitely, yeah, production wise, you know, they're, yeah, they're, don't they're, let it get to your head. That was the record that introduced me to Brand Nubian. Yeah. So I was going to say, my my where was I? Like, you know, this is a time frame where I'm actually getting into Tribe from the love movement, which mm -hmm. is another funny thing, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, so I'm getting into like all this, this different hip hop and Don't Let It Go To Your Head is on the radio. And mm -hmm. I just really, really love that song. I love the sample. I love the hook. I love what they're talking about. Yeah. Even to this very day, I really like that song. But you know, you said that maybe Grand Poobah kind of phoned it in for this album, but Sadat X, I thought, yeah. came with it. Uh, and I remember yeah. that around the time Sadat X was doing a lot, I think even in the following year, he's on the sound bombing too, though mm. still getting mine and the one. Mm. Nine, nah, nine, yeah, that nine, was where when I really comic. got into him. Yeah. yeah, so that, you know, if, if you're saying that Poobah kind of phoned it in, maybe it was Sadat X who was like pushing the project forward. So yeah. it's one of the things I'm going to go back and listen to, try to pay attention when, uh, when I go back and re-examine it because like I said I do want to go back and listen to it surprisingly I've not heard this album in 20 years yeah so you know and we talk about this all the time how like you know we talked about on Pete Rock like I listen mm -hmm. to that album at least like once every other year mm -hmm. I've not gone back to listen to this one but you talk about how there are albums that just pick really good samples like mm -hmm. we talked about that with Midnight Marauders you're yes. just gonna love just the samples yeah, on this no, album sure. like I, I was listening to it today and I was just like wow like I probably have every single joint on vinyl. Right. Um, and it's like records that like, if you know a little bit about jazz music, like you you have that record. Mm -hmm. um, like for example, Knucklehead is is one of the is one of the samples on here. So I mean, it's just oh, like- Oh yeah, from um, uh, Grover, Grover G. Yeah, Washington. Yeah, yeah, Grover yeah, Washington, yeah. Knucklehead. I love that. Right. I've I, always I wanted to rap on that on yeah. that joint. So that's like one of the records. So I yeah. mean, it's like, these are records that like, I mean, you you lit up, like you didn't see him, but he lit yeah. up when, when he heard like, you know, Knucklehead 
everybody yeah, knows that yeah. record. So they got like a lot of really big like jazz records that people know that they rapped over, and so the production is yeah. is what carries it. Just a little side note about Knucklehead. That's a a very accessible vinyl record. If you go to any record store that's right. got jazz music, you're always going to see. I think it's Mr. Magic. Right, is the name of the album. Yeah, you'll see like three or four copies. <laughs> Ika has got this stack of vinyls uh, right here next to the, the, the booth, and he's pulling out this record right here. So yeah, it just goes to show just how accessible it is. But yeah. uh, it's dope that such a dope sample is so accessible anyway. Yeah. But uh, so we can move right along to the last one released September 29th, 1998, and that's the Love Movement from a Child Called Quest. This is another record that when I was going through these joints, I was like, I want to make this a classic. I think that our boy Panama was really, really hard on this record. He was. And I think there's some really good stuff here. There is some um, good stuff here. Any project that has heavy Dilla involvement yes. in this time frame, you know you know is gonna be pretty solid. But there's some records on here that I really like. There's Red Man, there's Busta Rhymes, mm -hmm. there's some really dope features on here. I thought it was a dope album. And Find A Way is yes. still one of my favorite Tribe records, even though they have such a great catalog. I love that song. Chip's opening verse on Find A Way is probably one of my favorite verses from him, yeah. which is so weird because at the time it came out, Koi was telling me, was like waxing poetic about his verse on there. And I was listening to it then and I didn't understand how dope it is. And now yeah. I listen back to it now and I'm like, Oh no, that is that is dope. Like, yeah, that's dope. Your name is out my mouth like an ancient, ancient chant. chant. Like that line did not impress me back in the day. It yeah. definitely impresses me now. That shit is hot. Messing me up my whole head, teasing me just like Tika did Martin. Now look at what you starting. Schoolboy crushing it ain't on the hush the whole world. See it, but you can't. My people's they complain, sitting raving rant. Your name is out my mouth like an ancient chant. Got me like a dog as a poison pen. <gasps> Teasing me just like Tisha yes. and Martin. It's a really, really, really good verse. It's a really good it's verse. A he, has, he actually, Q-Tip has dope relationship yeah. verses, yeah. I think. But yeah, so we can probably save more of this dialogue from when we do the Make It A Classic. So yeah. whenever we do that, you'll be sure to check that out. But uh, I enjoyed this album. I don't think it is amazing. So it's, I think it's too long. It, well, It's 21 tracks. That's one of the things. Well, yeah, we'll talk about it. Yeah, and that's one of the <laughs> things we, we've been lamenting about a lot of music from this era. Yeah. So there's another album that we're going to get to uh, in, 19, uh, in November from this year, but uh, we'll get to that later. So, yeah, yeah. But now, so we're going to go to October. Mm -hmm. October 6th, Busy Bone, we've got Heaven's Movie, which yeah. I have not listened to, so I'm relying yeah. on you for this. I had friends that were just really big Bone fans, so that's probably why I've heard this. Um, he had the record Thugs Cry, um, okay. which was on the radio at the time, released in Cali. But yeah, man, Busy to me is the dopest Bone Thug. Like he's he's got the he's the most technically gifted Bone Thug um, in this era. This is his his solo finally. Thugs Cry was cool, but the record that I actually really wanted to point out was a record called Nobody Can Stop Me. Okay, if anybody has an opportunity, listen to Nobody Can Stop Me. It's just an amazing record. It's got a sample. Oh. I'm going to butcher it if I try to remember what the sample is. But when you hear, oh, If Only You Knew. Okay. Patti LaBelle, If Only okay. You Knew, yeah. is, is the sample. But he talks about his life story. It's just a really, really uplifting record that, okay. like, I feel like at the time, like, whenever I was down, I would listen to that record. But, I mean, he talks about a lot of things. He talks about being molested as a child. He talks about a lot of the struggles that he went through in his life to get to where he is. And it's just an amazing song. So okay. I just want to point that out. 
right, well, so another one that I have not listened to released <laughs> on the same day, October 6th, is Mob Stability from Twista. Twista and the Speed, not Mobsters, yo. Like, <laughs> Mob Stability. This, this record is amazing. Actually, the first little demo tape or a little record that I ever made was on a beat off this joint okay. uh, called Into Your World. But um, I really, really like this joint. Especially if you're from Chicago, like they had yeah. the main county's called Cook County in Chicago, and so they call it Crook County on yeah. this on this album, and it's just a lot of funny sh- little Chicago shit going on. They they're kind of making themselves like this mobster crime family or whatever. Um, it's kind of like a do or die album almost. You okay. know, it's like it's like a group of cats. It's that Midwest, you know, fast rap situation. But yeah. really, really dope album. I liked it. There's some records I, I still listen to on here. I was I've never been a big fan of Twista. He's never really impressed me. Even his fast rapping has never really impressed me. That doesn't really That's impress crazy. me in general. I I just yeah. don't really care. Of the fast rappers. I think that I'm actually more impressed by Busta Rhymes when he does do it, and even mm-hmm. Mystical. So, I think Twista is probably the most technically gifted fast rapper there is. That might be fair. It, this one, I wouldn't say he necessarily puts on a clinic personally, just because he's not the only one. His homies, Liffy Stokes, and all these other guys, they're on, on the records. But this is dope, man. Okay. I, I, would, I, would, I would even consider doing a Put You Up on this joint. Okay, like, well, there's maybe, some records on here. Maybe we'll have to consider Legit that. baller. <laughs> like, there's some records on here. So the last one from October 6th is an album that I have listened to, and that is the debut from Corrupt, yeah. Corruption. And I got to say, half of this album is dope. <laughs> yeah, this was this was actually when we first started doing Make It A Classic, one of the first records I wanted to put to, okay. to do. And I agree with you. And it's this, funny. Half of this album is amazing. The so, other half of this album doesn't need to be there at all. So I this understand album, why it is. This album, obviously, we're talking about a time frame where we're kind of dead in the middle of the whole East Coast versus West Coast thing. Yeah. Corrupt decides on it for his first album, he's going to do an East Coast CD and a West Coast CD. And that East, and so, that East Coast, Coast CD is, is whack. Garbage. Garbage. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's like maybe one song on there. Um, maybe, maybe. If you're being yeah. generous. The West Coast CD is super solid. Um, Yeah, the West Coast CD, if you're into like West Coast rap from the 90s, like you need to listen to that joint. It's got We Can Freak It on it, which I've talked about a lot. That's not even my favorite joint on here. Which one is? Oh, I love that. uh, Put some on it, man. Oh my God. Put some on it. I was like, hell yeah. This one's for you, that bass line. Dun, dun, dun. Yo. Uh, Fresh. Uh, Seawalk. Seawalk to it. Oh, man. What? You put that on at a party in Cali when we were kids, man. That's let me, a wrap. Let me what? tell you. So when we <laughs> prep for these quarterlies, oftentimes, and, and you'll hear us, you'll hear us talk about it. You know, when, when we do this, we go back and we listen to to some of these. So, wow. you know, corruption. I had never heard this album before. Oh wow! Uh, and uh, normally, what I would do when I'm prepping is I'll just listen to an album once and yeah. then go on to something else. That corruption shit was so hot. The West Coast, this I had to go <laughs> back and listen to it twice. That shit is fire. This was the year I moved to Virginia mm-hmm. from Cali, and so I must have moved like maybe in. December. I think I moved over Christmas break or something yeah. like that. And this was the record when I was like angsty, angry teen that had to move to the East Coast and was like, fuck y'all, I'm from the West Coast. Right. This was the album I had on rotation. That West Coast yeah. CD, I was listening to that joint every day. One thing I want to challenge you on is something that you said in one of the previous episodes where you mm-hmm. said that Corrupt was our Nas and our, you're talking about the West Coast version of Nas. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that I would 
describe corrupt in that way for several reasons for one um, I think the corrupt is very unique he's very much his own person and you would agree mm -hmm. he's very much his own person he's got his own sound own flow his own yeah. way of doing things but I would say that like Nas Tupac even like Ice Cube they're poets mm -hmm. to me corrupt is not a poet corrupt is a spitter and he's a dope ass spitter who's got this you know dpg dog pound gangster west coast mentality but to me he's just he gets on the mic and he just spits whereas i so, think that you know so what i'm saying is that nas for the east coast he was like a tr like a transformational mc for for our generation okay, right so so every mc from our generation was somehow inspired by nas okay. so you'll hear east coast artists like your j coles with records like let nas down where they talk about how uh, like they looked up to nas and they idolized nas okay now when you look at kendrick kendrick actually has a record you know called corrupted okay. where he where he talks about how like he always wanted to be corrupt and you uh, hear him talk about it all the time right so as a young mc from california that wanted to be like a, a, an artist corrupt was the person you looked up to if you considered yourself a lyricist in, okay. on the west coast and nas was the person i guess you looked up to when you were uh, trying to be an mc as, as an east coaster so that, that was sense. the comparison that I was making. would you agree with me though the corrupt is a spitter more oh, so yeah. than a poet for sure yeah, for sure, he's, for he's sure. i mean shit. you know he's not a he's not like really like a storyteller he's no. not like a social commentary guy like they're they're very different in yeah. terms of what they do definitely so anyway dope album from corrupt i'm glad that that's on the list because I, I got a chance to listen to it and yeah uh, if you haven't listened to it please do that shit is fire the first disc the first disc yes <laughs> just the west coast one <laughs> but there is one okay joint on the on the second drive. um fucking with the bucket corrupt you might get corrupted and get fucked up uh, it's the joint with buckshot <laughs> maybe uh, yeah. uh, i don't even i tried to like I just kind of East Coast. And did you hear the the We Can Freak It remix with Nori? Uh, yeah. Oh, so bad. Yeah. It's like the worst song ever. <laughs> so I, we get into another one in October, which I did not listen to. It's uh, released October thirteenth. Magnum Force from Helter Skelter. I've not yeah. listened to this. It got hit with the kind of um, it was written treatment, okay. which is that people who come from this era of hip hop really, really love Magnum Force. Okay. But people who were there, I guess I'd say, during when Helter Skelter put their first album out, they didn't like this album. And okay. I think as a result of that, this album is very underrated because people listen to it with their first album ears. That makes sense. Rather that than, a lot. Yeah. So I just wanted it wanted us to just highlight that it came out and it was dope. And I mean this is to me, this is like the beginning of the Sean Price that we get right. later. I like, like Magnum Force is the album where you hear, you're like, oh, Sean Price, okay. okay. You know what I mean? Because before that, it was just like, it was just rock. And then there was this other guy in the group, but you just were fast forwarding. So let me ask you real quick as, a, as an outsider to Boot Camp Clip, because Helter Skelter is a Boot Camp Clip, correct? Mm -hmm. Along with Smith & Wesson, uh, Black Moon. Are there any other yeah. big uh, Boot Camp Clip artists that I need to know uh, about? OGC, Original Gun Clappers. Okay. Yeah. So is there a lot of Beat Miners production on this project or no? Do they have That's another a good producer? question. I think this just came from before a time where I was really that familiar. So okay. I haven't looked at the production credits. Okay. Um, so that would be an interesting thing to, to check out though to see what the what the split was in terms of the production okay um so another one again in october that i've not listened to uh which is the theme for me in october of uh, <laughs> 1998 here uh from beat junkies volume 2 released october 17th you can yeah 
big deal for me just because, um, you know, again, this is the time frame where I'm like really, really getting into hip hop. And so I'm trying mm -hmm. to listen to everything. Some of these compilations really put me on to stuff that I loved a, okay. a lot later. Um, and the Beat Junkies, you know, they were kind of the big DJs in, in, in L.A. And so I think each episode or each volume featured a different DJ in the Beat Junkies. Volume right. two was was Babu. And so I remember this introduced me to Slum Village. Mm -hmm. I, I heard um, I Don't Know for the first time on this joint, which was like Dilla chopping up every single James Brown record ever <laughs> and then just like taking small phrases of things that he said and making him say stuff on the record, which is pretty impressive. Okay. But uh, yeah, it just introduced me to a lot of stuff. It was two discs and it just had like a lot of stuff on it, a lot of really underground stuff. Rasco and Planet Asia and uh, Dilated Peoples and you know just a lot of underground stuff yeah. that I may not have been familiar with and then I got this album and I listened to it and then I became a fan of like everybody on there and I went out and checked out all these other people as a result of it so that's really the only thing I wanted to highlight about Beach Junkies. Okay so we're gonna move right along to November uh, and release November 3rd 400 Degrees the debut album is it the debut album from Juvenile? I think he had some other stuff before, but I think this is his debut Cash Money. Debut album. Cash Money. And so the yeah. big one that set everything off was his Ha record. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really have all that much to say about this album other mm. than the two hits that were really, really big were Ha and um, Back That Ass Up, which is a staple record. I mean, you even put it on now. Man. Yeah. What? Yeah. That's, I, went that's to a, crazy. I went to a CBC event this year and. Um, Manny Fresh and Juvenile <laughs> performed. I'm putting I'm putting air, air quotes. quotes. Um, but yeah, everybody was standing there like, "Too back that ass up!" Right. And then no. they did, and it was a wrap. Back that ass up is one of the tracks where it's like, you got a room full of brown people, and uh, we could be doing anything. You know, yeah. the, the, eating stuff, yeah. not listening to music, yeah. watching the news, whatever. Yeah. If you put on that intro beat, everyone's going to stop what they're doing, yeah. look around, and then yeah. as soon as the beat drops, they're going to start bouncing. Like, it's just yeah. one of those songs that can, like, I'm not sure if there's any other song from this era that can really transform the room, like, back that ass up. It that, really is something amazing. That bass line is, like, one of the, one of the most recognizable, like, when yeah. you hear, doom. Doom, 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 everybody doom, just stops doom, what they're doom, doing. Doom, doom, yeah. So yeah. I, I got to give it props to that. But you know, the record itself, I'd never listened to it. Man, I really railed and rebelled against this album. I did um, too. I don't think I've, I've still to this very day ever heard it. I'm um, like, like end to end. Um, yeah. This when Ha came out to me, it was everything that was wrong with most Southern rap in the mainstream. Like, yeah. it was like this guy's not even rapping on beat. Yeah. He's repetitive. He doesn't really have any lyrical skill. So, I mean, I think it took me a long time to just even understand what was going on here. I think I definitely owe this album to go back and, and really listen to it. Yeah. Um, just out of appreciation to the work that Manny Fresh has done mm -hmm. and, you know, the timelessness of the Back That Ass Up record. But, uh, yeah, I, at the time, I was not listening to this album. So, I feel the exact same way that you do, or at least mm -hmm. that you did around this time. And the thing is, Juvenile was a member of Cash Money that I liked. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. like, so, if, if I felt the same way that you did about this record and what he represented, and I liked him, that lets you know how much disdain I had <laughs> for the rest of Cash Money. I had a lot, too. Um, yeah. And I would say that it wasn't really until... 
maybe until Lil Wayne started to come out solo that yeah. I had any respect for them at all. Because That's probably when fair. Lil Wayne started, like I think his first joint, I remember him saying, "Ain't got on no suits because we ain't trying to be presidents." <laughs> and I just remember hearing him rap, and it was like, "Oh, this kid, this little kid can rap. Like he he raps. It's not like." You walk across the street, huh? You fell down, huh? You jumped up, huh? Like, you know, it wasn't really doing it for me, but uh, but I respect it. I, I think the record for me that really forced me to come around was the one that he had with, uh, Lil Wayne had with P.D. Pablo. They call me Young Ass Wheezy. I forget how it goes. I forget the name of the track, but I used to bump that shit all the time. Yeah. Anyway, so, but we can move on to something that's much more favorable. <laughs> uh, released November 10th, we have Rhythm of Zone from DJ Quick. Yo, this album. Wax Poetic. This album, God. This, is, this album is like a life changer for me. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this is coming at a time when I'm getting ready to leave California. And so the things that are very California, I'm embracing, I'm mm-hmm. loving. But uh, I remember the cover had DJ Quick, and it's pink in the background. And DJ Quick has this bright blue shirt on. He's got this pr- this pressed perm all the way down to his shoulders with this like and purplish just, yeah, just glow. The light, the light is just glowing <laughs> off him like. And I remember seeing it and being like, "Fuck no, nah, I'm not gonna buy this." <laughs> and I remember Kenny, I think it was, telling me like, "Yo, you got yo, you got here this quick. This shit is crazy, man." Like yeah. blah blah blah. And, and I was like, "Nah, nah, I don't know." And then his first single off this album. Hand in hand. Yeah, I remember that. Joke. Hand in hand came yeah. out, and I was like, "What? Yeah. This is some fly pimp gangster shit." Hand in hand is a dope. And, and then down, down, down came down, on. Down, I remember down was also whenever dope I would go to Kenny's house, that record would just be blasting on the radio, and I was like, "I have to listen to this. This album is, is amazing." It's it's weird because I don't think I, I don't think most people would say that this is DJ Quick's best album. Mm-hmm. But this album is just like special. Like I, I don't know. It's like it, it's probably my favorite DJ Quick album. Maybe just because of, of the I was I was there. Okay, like I, I think I think people would agree that like Balance and Options is probably his best album. Okay, but, I haven't heard that one. But this one, yeah, man. I sometimes go back and forth with DJ Quick. I have mm-hmm. a great deal of respect for him. But in terms of actually sitting down to listen to his music, sometimes I struggle with it, and it's not because mm-hmm. I don't enjoy it. I think mm-hmm. that. He doesn't do enough for me as an MC, and he's not bad. Yeah, yeah. He's not bad at all. Yeah. He just doesn't necessarily do enough for me. And mm-hmm. here's the thing: like, it's one of these things where I think that he's a dope producer, and I mm-hmm. like his records. Uh, mm-hmm. There's not a record on here that I that I don't enjoy. But at the same time, too, for me to sit down and listen to an entire DJ Quick record, mm-hmm. sometimes it just gets a little. It's, it's a lot of the same. It yeah. just kind of sounds that way. Yeah. Whereas. If we're just in a room and we're putting on a whole bunch of different songs and any mm. DJ Quick song comes on, I'm going to be feeling it. Right. But for me to actually sit down consistently and listen mm. to an entire project, sometimes I struggle yeah. with that is all. But I, I do also know that I want to say that Tony, Tony, Tony record came out sometime around, around this, this time, yeah. and that DJ, Quicker, DJ Quick produced it. And um, this is Yeah, that was record. amazing. The yeah. behind the music on that is really dope. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, like I think uh, I agree with you. When I first got into Quick, which is around this time, you know, Kenny was always telling me, "Yo, you gotta listen to Quick. You gotta yeah. listen to Quick." And I was like, "I don't like his rhymes." Like I used to tell yeah. Kenny, like I wish there was an instrumental versions of all these songs. You <laughs> yeah. know, like I just was like, "What is he saying? He's not saying anything." But you know, like just over time, I've really come to just even appreciate him just as an artist altogether. I will say about this album. This is one of the first hip hop albums I ever heard. 
that had an instrumental reprise of an album or a song yeah. on an album. Yeah. And so like it just showed that like DJ Quick was a musician. Like, you sure. know, like he had he had the quick the quick uh, grooves on his album. Yeah. He had a, an instrumental reprise where he had a guitarist come in and electric guitar, just kill it. Like very, you know, focused on all the music, the overall yeah. musical composition and not just beats and lyrics. Yeah. Another one released the same day, November 10th. We've got The Roots of Evil from Cool G Rap. And yeah. this is not an album that I purchased at the time. Mm-hmm. I want to say I probably went back to buy this in 1990, probably the next year. Okay. Um, so like I said, I was going around. I was listening to you know old Eric B and Rakim records, KRS One records, and Cool G Rap. Mm-hmm. So I got the Cool G Rap and DJ Polo, but then I also got like the 4, 5, 6, mm-hmm. and this Roots of Evil. And I got to say, first of all, you're not going to find this album on Spotify. But I do have it on CD, and it's not an amazing album. Okay. The beats aren't all that great. Um, yeah. And even if the beats were good, like the mixing is mm. not all that great. Like it's That's a very cheap, cheaply produced album, in my opinion. Right. But if you are at all interested in, in, in two things one, like the multi syllable rapping, mm. which was, you know, we talked about that ad nauseum with Big Pun. Two other MCs to do that really, really well are Eminem and Cool G Rap. Mm-hmm. So if you're a big fan of the multi-syllable rapping and you're a big fan of storytelling, particularly mafioso storytelling, mm-hmm. this album is a must listen to, mm-hmm. period. It's it's mandatory, required listening for anyone who is into that stuff. Mm-hmm. Cool G Rap, the G stands for genius. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing, the storytelling that he does on this record. And it might be monotonous. I've had some person tell me that, you know, Coogee Rap is kind of monotonous because he does the gangster shit a lot. I don't give a fuck. It's good. <laughs> yeah. It's really, really just incredible what the, the amount of stories that he can that he can tell and the amount of different bars he can put together with the same multi-syllable rhymes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he's got this one record where, I, I forget the name of it, but he rhymes the whole thing with like the one on my right right and he does it for like 32 bars and it's about how he's some assassin and he goes out at night last night got caught in a gunfight i think it was like four niggas clutching their burners of us but only can see one in sight the one on my right your son he like we both got gripe he wanted my life commit a nigga with a gun and a knife he trying to make me the white dog nigga laying up under the white but i ain't trying to go up in the dark tunnel and run to the light and let myself be one more nigga that just got spun in the night and then on the side and trying to breathe with one on my pipe but i'm not one of the type and i rather lose along on the mic than a be up in the yard receiving CPR at one in the night. Now I can run and take flight, but I'm like, you're trying to be hype, and I play Mother Nature before so you won't clap and thunder the night. I step right inside of the street light. My gunner was bright, send him to kiss Christ. Let my shit slice in front of him twice. Let one splice his fucking with price and trying to be nice. I want him more nice. No back home to a son and a wife. He tried to roll dice, river life, and got his buns in the vice. Nigga was all enticed to lead his life shice, but none of it's nice. I peep shit and seen his whole click was running the fright instead of coming to fight. Cause some of the fights, you son of a dykes, were one in the I'm aiming the light, the one in the white. They all the seats, so yo, my ass piece get hunted for life. Four niggas cut down, and I can receive a hundred of life. Up in the jail cell, the crawling with lice, and running with mice. Let's try, feeling that tight, with nothing but rice. Slow biz and no kids, niggas, they run on my wife. Only got one life, you'll get this fucking gun out of my sight. Back at the house after midnight, I'm done for the night. It's like, oh my god, like. Just go listen to this record. It's it's just amazing. Please just do right. yourself a favor. I don't I don't think I've actually heard this album, so I have to go back and check it out. Uh, we'll we'll do we won't do a put put you up episode on it because I'm not sure if it's if it's warrants that. But mm. just between you and I, yeah. we're gonna do a put you up because yeah, you gotta go peep this. Yeah. So we'll move right along uh, quickly here. November seventeenth, we've got the 
sophomore LP from Method Man to Cal 2000 Judgment Day. Our very first episode was on this, so we're not going to cover it. But okay. we at least had to mention that this came out around this time. So, you know, just for some context. But then the following week, <laughs> yes, we had the official debut album, LP, from RZA as Bobby Digital. And this is a very frustrating piece of music <laughs> because I have to say it's... It's not good as a piece of entertainment, but artistically, there are some really, really interesting things that he did on this record. In fact, in fact, I can make an argument that Kanye West owes his entire career to this album in particular. In fact, I could tell you that everything he did prior to College Dropout through Yeezus is somehow influenced by this album. I stand very firmly on that. That's that's the amount of intricate that, you know, he really did some interesting things on this album musically. Mm-hmm. I would actually have us do a make it a classic for this, except mm-hmm. it's not worth it because RZA has no business doing a solo <laughs> out debut album. He really doesn't. One <laughs> of the problems is that there's not enough members of the clan on here. I think like Master Killer, ODB has a feature. There might be a few others, but you know, all of the other solo projects, they all had heavy contributions from other clan members. There's mm-hmm. not enough on here. Mm-hmm. He also just does some things that are just, I don't know, just off the wall. Like it's another one where it's got like 22 tracks. It doesn't need to be that long. Mm-hmm. And RZA is just not that interesting as a solo artist for an entire LP. He's just not. But look, yeah. if you are into musical production, I think that this is a this is also one of the ones that's like mandatory just to go back mm-hmm. and listen to. Like I'm not saying that this shit is fire. I'm not. Yeah. But there are some really really interesting things that he did on this record. I'd say thankfully I was really into Woo, but I was. I was still out, like I had a foot out enough that there, yeah. like I was selective. Like I, I never bought a You God album. I yeah. never bought a Bobby Digital you. like solo. I, you know what I mean? Like yeah. some of this stuff, I looked at it and I said, Nah, I'm not, I'm not fucking with that. But uh, I, I'll definitely check it out. I've, ne- I've never listened to Bobby Digital, but I, I'm interested to hear the, the the influence that you're talking to about when you're talking about. I mean, uh, songs like um, he had one joint that I remember hearing because one of my boys was playing, and he said he said something like. Four thousand five million seven ways to make children, and I was just like, "What is he talking about, yo?" He's got songs like, um, like unspoken word. You go back and listen to that, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Like NYC, everything, even a record like Terrorist or Kiss of the Black Widow. He's got some really interesting things on here that are. It's not fire, but if you're if <laughs> if you're into musical production. And you're willing to like ignore him as a featured yeah. artist and just and just focus on the beats. He's got some things like like individually songs here and there that are like actually quite brilliant. It's mm. just a, as an entire piece of music, you want to sit down and listen to it. It's just not very good. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that's worth mentioning is that the anthem from the Wake Up Show, the Sway and King Tech, featuring I think it's DJ Revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got like KRS One is on that record, Eminem yeah, yeah. is on that record. RZA fire. starts off the record. Yeah, but the yeah. foundation for that song is Airways, which is on here. It's actually uh, the same verse from RZA as well. Oh really? So yeah. So pissing holes in you, you can't escape. Exactly. Seventy thousand kilowatts yes. west of your box. Car driver slow down, down the, the block. block. One stop pump, pop the trunk. <laughs> Step out loud as fuck. Bass like a grenade in your face. That's actually a dope bar. I like that. Bass like, like a grenade in your face. It was bass like, like an M80 in your face. Is that what it is? Yeah. That's still hot too. stop. Give a citation. <laughs> we blow up your radio station over the vacation. Pause for radio station. That's that vacation. <laughs> 
uh, like I said, look, it's just the, I love I loved the anthem, by the way, and I, I loved yeah. that whole the whole album was great. All right. So anyway, that's all we're gonna talk about from Rizzo Bobby Digital, and that should actually wrap up 1998. Cool, cool. So I think we'll probably just cut it here. We'll do another episode to discuss the 2018. 